Hello friends and welcome back to the Fit to Live podcast. So I feel like the title of my podcast is perfect for the topic that we're going to get into because so many of you guys that are trying to get fit, that have you know goals within your fitness journey, also have a full life outside of the gym to live, which is literally how I came up with Fit to Live Coaching, Fit to Live Podcast. But today specifically for this episode, this is actually going to be a part two to an episode I did a while back on balancing a full-time job and fitness goals. And you can relate this to yourself, whether it's a full-time job like in an office, at home, you're in school full-time, you raise kids and you're super crazy busy with that, you know, whatever the case is, basically you've got a full-time life outside of the gym. So how can we still have and reach fitness goals and like how do we have that balance? So today we're going to be doing a part two on that. Um, Whenever I had previously done a poll on my Instagram before episode one, 82% of my following said that they did like have a full-time job and because of that you know had multiple reasons why they kind of struggled within their fitness goals. So with the last episode as I kind of addressed a lot of those struggles that people were having that episode actually has the highest amount of downloads of any episode that I've ever done so I was like okay obviously people need help guidance with this topic obviously people like this topic so that's what we're going to do today. Um, I am going to basically take a couple of um, sub points that were in the last podcast on this and just break it down even further because there was some stuff in part one that I didn't really break down too much um, and go in depth on that I think is going to be super helpful. So that's the plan for today. We're going to talk about planning different phases. We're going to talk a lot about training and a lot about nutrition. So those are going to be the main things. But before we get into that, I did just kind of want to give a quick summary for what we went over in part one and you can go listen to that if you want to but we went over realistic expectations Um, we went over tips for energy because that was something that a lot of people said they struggled with was just like energy to meal prep to get to the gym things like that so we went over tips for energy we talked about sleep caffeine diet quality um, making sure you're not overtraining and getting outside, and there were some other tips in there too, and I went more in depth on all of those. Um, Time was another big topic in episode one, so we talked about um, like time management, meal prep, planning ahead, things like that, and then we also talked about office snacks and how to handle that kind of maybe temptation if you're trying to stick to um, the meals that you brought or whatever the case is. So that was part one. So you can go listen to that, like I said, if you want to, but in part two, I really want to zone in on setting up the actual best plan for you if you have fitness goals and you've just got a busy life, a full-time job, whatever the case is, and then understanding how all of those variables work together. So to kind of frame before we get into each individual kind of breakdown that I want to go into, I do think it's just really important to understand that progress is a result of multiple variables compounded together. So we can't just look at our 
fitness goals in a vacuum of maybe just training or, okay, if I have a goal of fat loss, all I need to worry about is nutrition. If I have a goal of building muscle, all I need to worry about is training. Or if I have a goal of either of those or both of those or whatever, it's just about nutrition and training when at the end of the day, it's actually about all of it together. (laughs) It's about your stress, your recovery, your nutrition, your training, regardless of what the goal is. And so that's kind of like a framework that I wanted to set up is that progress is a result of multiple things that are compounded together so if you are ignoring or leaving out one of those like key components it will trickle down into the progress that you're able to see so some of those like four key components so we've got on the training side of things we have like our exercise selection and execution which we're going to get into a little bit more so that's like the exercises that you're actually picking and then how you're actually executing them that's going to be huge for your training And then we have exercise effort. You can have the perfect exercise selection, the perfect execution, but if your effort isn't there in the appropriate amount, then that is going to impact your progress. So those are two kind of components on the training side of things. And then we have our diet quality. And then we've also have our recovery. So like our sleep, our stress, um, diet could kind of go a little bit into that as well, of course. So when we take all of these together, so we're, you know, we're focusing on our exercise selection, execution, our effort, our recovery, our sleep, our stress, our diet, those things compounded together is what's going to get the results. So if you are, you know, doing all the things, but you're only sleeping four hours a night and your stress is crazy high, you're not going to get the best progress that you could and you may not get any depending. Um, And so it's important that, again, we just realize that it's all of these things. So with that being the framework, as I go into this, um, hopefully that just kind of helps you understand why I never just touch on necessarily one thing and why if you're maybe struggling to see progress, but you've been ignoring one whole, you know, area, that could be why you're not seeing the progress that you want. So, okay. Let's start with phase planning. So we're going to go phase planning, training, then the nutrition. So whenever it comes to planning phases, so if you have, and remember when I say full-time job, apply that however you want. We all have a lot of stuff going on in life. So basically being busy and having fitness goals. So the first thing is going to be planning your phases. So knowing what phase you are in, what needs to be done in order to achieve the goal of the current phase that you're in. So, you know, maybe that phase is a deficit phase where you're focused on maintaining your muscle and losing body fat. Maybe it's a maintenance phase where you just need a point, you're at a point in your life where maybe you're not really focusing on fat loss or necessarily pushing for a ton of growth. It's just kind of one of those phases where you want to maintain everything. You want to maintain your current leanness, you want to maintain your muscle, but you just need a little break from either of like a deficit or maybe like more of a growth type of phase. Or are you in something where you want to push for more growth, where um, we are going to be potentially in a slight surplus, maybe pushing some more training volume, things like that. So you have to know what phase am I in and what does that require of me? And then when you kind of are assessing different phases, looking at maybe your year, and understanding, okay, where would this best fit? Like, would it be the smartest thing to put a deficit in the middle of a 
you know, a month when you're traveling four different times for, you know, multiple, multiple days and it's like all these celebrations, maybe not. So maybe planning different things around what you have going on. But at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing is knowing because so many people don't even really know which phase they're dialed in on. Like, it's like some days they're in a deficit, but then all of a sudden they see a post on Instagram and they want to, like, eat in a surplus to grow muscle, and then they see somebody who's at maintenance and they're like, oh, maybe I should just chill there. And then it's like you never actually get to a goal because you're kind of jumping around phases. So when are you going to do the specific phases? And by the way, to whoever's listening, you may listen to this and you may never want to do a certain one of these phases in your journey and that's okay. Everybody has different phases. Some people will go through all three. Some people will just stay in one. It, it really depends. But if you're going to do a deficit, maintenance, growth phase, whatever, when is that going to be? And making sure that you have that plan and that you know what phase you're in so that you know what variables you need to be focusing on. So planning those ahead is really important. And then with that, as far as those different kind of phases go, for your specific goals, what phase do you actually need to be in? Because oftentimes it isn't actually another dieting phase quite yet. I think a lot of people, that's like what their um, go-to phase is, when in reality, maybe the best thing for you, maybe mentally one of the best things for you is taking a maintenance phase. Maybe if you're somebody who really needs to put on some more muscle, maybe it is taking a little growing phase. And also, if you're somebody who maybe you keep doing diets, but you keep having a really hard time maintaining the results, maybe you need a phase where you're really focused on the foundations and habits so that next time you diet, the results actually last and you don't have to keep staying in this yo-yo cycle. And so I think it's important to understand for your goals, what do you actually need to do? Another kind of scenario example is like, let's say that I have somebody who really wants to, um, they want to lose body fat. They're they're decently happy with their muscle. Um, Maybe we'll do another growing phase later, but they want to lose some body fat. And right now though, let's say that they're not having a cycle, they are tired all the time, their energy is super low, something like that, well, I'm probably going to highly recommend that person spend some time not dieting for a while because not only is the diet just going to be much more miserable (laughs) if you feel that way, but also that's going to impact your training performance, your training recovery, it could definitely set you up to end up being like worse off health-wise after and potentially some kind of rebound after. And so it's like, even though you quote unquote could diet, does that mean that you maybe should yet? Should we maybe wait until we get things in a better spot with your health to where you'll actually enjoy the diet and to where you'll actually be able to train well, recover well, those different factors that are actually important for seeing better progress. So um, I think just in summary for your goals, what phase do you actually need to be in? And really assessing that and planning that. Because when you have a plan, it's much less stressful. But if you're kind of winging everything, you don't exactly know what you're focusing on right now. And then you also have work to think about and this and this to think about. That's when it becomes something where it's like you never actually move forward anywhere because you've never really decided, okay, this is my goal. This is what I'm focusing on for this amount of time. 
And this is what needs to happen in order to make that happen. So, and like I said, as you kind of are in a different phase, making sure that you're adjusting the variables as needed. So for example, like adjusting your activity levels and cardio, depending um, the tediousness of your nutrition tracking. So like at a maintenance phase, you don't need to be as tedious as you would be in a deficit phase. And depending on the person, you know, there may be a lot of opportunity for just like not tracking and just focus on habits in certain phases, depending. Um, even training variables are going to change depending on the phase that you're in, whether that's the volume of the training, um, the main focus of the training, things like that, which is why it's important to know what phase you're in, because then what are you going to do with all these other variables if you don't know what phase that you're in? So last point on this, and this is just anybody who needs to hear this because I see it all the time, stop wasting your time being like half in, one foot in, one foot out of dieting because all that does is create frustration, uh, poor relationship with food, poor relationship with dieting, and just so much unnecessary stress and like no progress because you're not dedicated enough to the diet to get the results from it, but it's like mentally you're there. So it's just so draining and you get burnt out and there's just so many negatives that come from that. So instead of being half in, half out of a diet all the time, 24-7, which unfortunately is most women, they are half in, half out all year. They want to diet, but they're kind of doing it, but not really, so they never see the results, but they're getting burnt out. Stop doing that. Plan your phases, and your life will be so much happier, so much easier. Your journey will be so much more fulfilling, and you'll actually see progress from the phases that you want. Um, so that's kind of the last point on that. So that's phase planning. So now whenever we look to actually getting results within the fitness goals that you have while balancing full-time job, whatever the case is, now we can kind of talk about training. So training is going to be a huge part of your progress if you, you know, have body composition goals, whether that be um, you know, primarily building muscle, primarily losing body fat, training is still going to be a big aspect of that. And I think the biggest mistake that I see with training is people overdoing what they actually have the capacity to recover from. So if you have, let's say you're raising a kid, you're in an online class, you're going to work, or let's just say maybe it's just work, but work is a lot of hours, there's a lot of stress involved, whatever the case is, you have to account for that and understand, okay, what amount of volume can I actually recover from? So you guys have probably heard this analogy before, but we have basically, if you think about a bucket, <laughs> you have a stress bucket, you don't have like here's one bucket for your training, here's one bucket for your nutrition, here's one for your relationship stress, here's one for your work stress, here's one for the stress from a poor diet. No, no, no. You don't get one for each. It all compiles into one. That's all things that your body is having to recover from and deal with. And so we've got one stress bucket. And so how much room do you have in that bucket to recover? Because if you are pouring over that bucket and you're not able to recover from your training, you're not going to get the progress from it. Training without the recovery aspect, we're not going to get the progress that we want. Because when we're training, we are basically we're trying to get a stimulus on the muscle. We're trying to force an adaptation and we need that recovery component 
to adapt and make that progress. And so if you are piling on too much with your training, you can't recover from it, you're not going to get the adaptation and recovery piece, which is the, the progress part. Um, so really be honest in assessing what can I recover from genuinely with all this going on. Because what you can recover from when you're, let's say, 21 in college, not many stressors. And now some 21-year-olds in college may have a ton of stress. It depends. But let's just let's just compare. Maybe I shouldn't do it that way. Let's just say this person over here, very low stress, lots of free time, all the things. And then this person over here, super high stress, always super busy. And sometimes, too, it's even personality type differences. But these two people are going to be able to handle different training volumes and um one person may be able to recover from more than another. So you got to know where you are at. Um, so when we look at training, also, not all volume is created equally. So, for example, I think if, if people think of, let's say, volume in, in a sense of, it's oh, it's just about how many um, sets I'm doing per week. Well, not necessarily, because if I take somebody and I put them on, let's say, Let's say we're comparing four sets of squats, barbell back squats, to four sets of a leg extension. That volume is definitely not going to be equal as far as like the fatigue that it's causing on the body, the recovery capacity needed. So when we look at volume, and I'm not saying that like, oh, you know, X out, well, I don't really love squats, so that's for a different story, or at least typical squats. There's some variations I really like, but let's say though just for the sake of the example here, that doesn't mean only do leg extensions because it's, you know, the volume's not created equal. Leg extensions might be easier to recover from whatever. That's not the point. But the point is, if you're looking at your volume only based on, oh, well, I'm doing this many sets per week, you're missing a big part of it because it may be something where you just need to also tweak your volume to, to really be able to see, okay, well, within this amount of sets, how much is coming from maybe things that take a bit more of my recovery, things like that. So not all volume is created equally, and we'll get into that a little bit more when I get to exercise selection, effective reps, things like that. Um, but also more volume is not always better. I think that a lot of people think, okay, the more sets, the better, the more little burnout finishers, the better, and that's definitely not the case. Um, which we'll get into whenever I talk about kind of like effective reps and sets. So not all volume is created equally and more volume is not always better. So then we have exercise selection, which is one of those key points that I was talking about at the beginning, one of those like four key components. So exercise selection, we want a good stimulus to fatigue ratio. So we want to find movements that we get a really good stimulus on the intended muscle and we have a good ratio as far as the fatigue that it causes. So ideally, a really good stimulus to a lower fatigue that we can recover from better. Um, so we want to find movements that have that within our training as often as possible. And I guess I can kind of touch on the back squat thing now just briefly. So like an example of this would be for a client of mine, I might rather train a leg press and an RDL for them versus trying to do just like a plain barbell back squat for some glute volume. I would rather get better stimulus to fatigue ratio and probably use something like leg press 
and RDLs um, versus that. Uh, but there are also variations, even of a squat, where if you set it up the right way to maybe really, really bias the quads, it may actually have a pretty solid stimulus to fatigue ratio. So exercise selection is really important, um, as well as just finding movements that work really well for you and where you can really bias the muscles that we're wanting to work and not picking things where it's like, oh, well, this is, you know, something that I saw on Instagram one time or, oh, I've just like, this is a, you know, a exercise that, well, everybody always does this or whatever, making sure that we're actually assessing the movement and being like, okay, is this actually targeting and biasing the muscle that I'm trying to work here? Um, and is this a movement that works really well for me? So exercise selection is huge. And then whenever we look at our reps and sets that we're doing, we want to be focused on effective reps and sets. So when we look at effective reps, um, part of this is going to be like pushing close enough to failure. So are you giving enough effort within your set? So that gets into like RPEs. So like how, um, or our RIRs, RPEs, how close are you getting to that failure point? And I think so many people are really, really poor at gauging how close they're really getting to failure and how much effort they're actually putting in. And don't take this to say that you need to take every set all the way to failure, but probably want to be training for the most part somewhere close to that failure mark. And then there are, you know, there's definitely a time and a place to actually put in failure sets. But if you are training at, you know, just RPE like four or five all the time, you're not going to be getting as much out of those sets and those reps, unless that was like the specific goal, like a um, deload week or something like that. And of course, there's also, we have to, there's always individualized things to think about here. So like if I have somebody, let's say I'm working on something like hormonal for somebody, we're trying to get a cycle back. I actually may have the goal of, hey, let's not push anywhere close to failure because at that time, I'm not trying to make their body recover from, you know, I'm trying to remove as much stress as possible. So the last thing I want is to add a bunch of training stress. But let's say that in a healthy individual who's able to push and who's able to recover, um, being able to get close enough to failure, having long enough rest times between movements, again, unless there was like an, a specific reason that we were using shorter rest times, like if I have somebody in a metabolic phase or something. But outside of that, I want effective sets, effective reps. And so making sure we're resting long enough to have the best performance that we can within our sets and our reps. And so, um, yeah, exercise selection, effective reps and sets is going to be huge within training. And this kind of circles back to the thing that I was saying with like kind of those add-on burnout finisher things. It's like really asking yourself, okay, is this, does this actually serve a purpose? Like, are these like effective reps and sets or am I just kind of like adding volume that I have to recover from that's actually not that effective? Anyways, so it's basically just like this this fluff volume that's not even going to really help you, but you still have to recover from it. So being smart with, with those different variables. And I know like with this stuff, with exercise selection, with effective reps and sets and all of these things I'm talking on, like there could be multiple podcast episodes just on each one of those individual individually. So like do realize that I am giving general ideas here. I really just want you to be able to kind of take a step back and assess your training. So being able to look, okay, with my exercise selection, 
Am I picking movements that are working well for me where I'm biasing the muscle, I have a good stimulus to fatigue ratio, or you know, as good as we can in that scenario depending on the goal? And then am I doing my sets and reps with enough effort? Am I giving myself enough rest time between sets to be sure that I have, you know, that optimal output? Those different factors. So Pay attention to that and then another just like I guess bonus tip for training before you focus on like adding a ton of load and like getting stronger which love that let's get strong but before you start to add load make sure that you have your execution down and your range of motion down so if you are still not let's say that there's a range of motion that you're really struggling to get you know like full ROM and you decide oh well I don't feel like being patient and working on that, so let's just, you know, keep adding load but not in the full realm. I would much rather somebody get better at that full range of motion first, maybe with the current load or something a little bit lighter if they needed to, and then be able to progressively overload from the um, load perspective in a full range of motion. And of course, there's like partials and stuff that we can use in training, but again, general statements for the most part here. Now, another thing with training that because remember, when we're looking at this, we're looking at what can we recover from and what's going to get us the optimal progress, especially, again, if you've already got a bunch of other stuff going on in your life, we got to be smart with our training. So another thing that can be really useful here is to use um, deloads. So this I will say, though, if somebody like hasn't even really gotten good at like gauging their RPEs yet, their effort's super low probably don't really need a deload, but like when you really start training, deloads can be a really good idea. Now, how I personally program is I program in kind of different phases that focus on different kind of stimulus. So I may focus more on strength um, and neurological adaptations and then maybe like metabolic and then maybe like we're more focused in on different hypertrophy components. But so kind of how I do that it's kind of deloading as we go because you'll kind of deload from, let's say, the metabolic work and like a strength block and vice versa, and they kind of build on each other. Um, and I don't do that with every single client all the time. It depends how advanced somebody is and if I feel like they kind of need me to, to do that or not. Um, but I do often use that approach. But that's like a whole... A whole another deal about okay well when do you pick which one and exactly what does that look like so my point on this is in general though if you're training hard enough deloading is a good idea and if you are not doing kind of built-in deloads from changing kind of training phases then what you can do is just implement an actual week deload week to two week deload where you go lower RPE on everything maybe you drop off the volume on the sets as well something like that or honestly if you I've I've had clients who let's say they've come to me and they have literally never taken a week off training in like their whole life and they've always been doing like way too much volume first thing I might do is be like hey you're not training at all next week um so yeah deloading can be a good idea but again this is like you know once you're actually training um with enough effort and it would actually kind of like warrant that we need a deload but once somebody is truly training you know that can be very useful as well to implement so another question with your training that you can ask yourself is okay how often can I train with my schedule and how much volume do we have to work with you know within that 
So what I like to do with this is allocate then that volume accordingly. And something that I have kind of really started implementing the past year or two in my programming and in client programs is that we don't have to max out the volume on every single muscle group in every single phase. And this is why having a longer term approach is so important. Like you may alter a little bit in each phase. So maybe there's a, a couple blocks in a row where most of our volume for somebody, let's say I'm really dialing in volume on somebody's glutes, hamstrings, and delts. But then maybe we've got another few blocks later where, okay, maybe we just have like a maintenance amount for those, but now we're really dialing in a little bit more on like quads and lats and things like that. And so don't feel like you have to max out the volume on every single muscle group in every single phase, especially like we're talking about like People who have lives here, like you, are you in the gym? Are you able to be in the gym, you know, six days a week? And how much, again, how much can you actually recover from? Um, I literally do not have a single client training six days a week. I don't even think I have anybody training five right now because I work with people who also do other things than like they don't just train for their whole life. And so typically I'm going to be looking at, okay, how much volume do I have to work with from a recovery standpoint? So I'm going to allocate the volume accordingly to that. And then how many days is this going to be broken up into and kind of basically setting that up as how I'm going to like structure their programming. So that's another tip that just like, I guess, a bonus tip that might really help you within your programming, your training is understanding, you know, if you're looking, you're like, oh no, I can only get to the gym. Well, it's not actually, oh no, but let's say you were thinking that. Let's say you're like, okay, I can only get to the gym four times a week right now, or even three to four times a week. Um, and then you're like getting stressed because you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get as much volume as I need for every single muscle group? My biceps, my triceps, my lats, my delts, like my quads, my hamstrings, my glutes, like it's okay to allocate it. And maybe you have maintenance amounts in some of your training blocks and you're focused more on another thing. That's okay. Um, and again, you also have to pay attention to because I may have one client who I can allocate a little bit more volume across the week, depending what they can recover from. So all things to consider um, with that. So that's kind of training. And then a couple of, I guess you could say sub points after the training that I wanted to mention. Um, number one, sweat, how much you sweat, how many calories you burn and how constantly sore you can be are not what you should be aiming for within your training. Will you sometimes sweat in your training? Of course. Sometimes maybe not. Will you sometimes burn more calories than others in training? Yeah, but that's not the main focus. Will there sometimes be soreness? Yes, and that's okay. But actually, I would say constant soreness that's really bad and lasts a long time, that's actually not what we want. That's a sign that you're not recovering very well, but here and there some soreness is okay and normal. Um, but I do think it's important because I think so many people ignore everything I just said. They ignore exercise selection, effective reps, effective sets, not having that junk volume in there, all the things I mentioned. They ignore that, but they focus on how much did I sweat, how many calories did I burn, how dead did I feel after workout, how sore am I, when that's like not what the focus should be of our training. So that's a just sub point. 
And then when we look at this, because you know I mentioned um, what can you recover from, all of that with your training. So some things to look at because some people might be like, okay, I want to do that, Sydney, but how do I know how much I can recover from? So things to look at to kind of see if you're recovering well is going to be the actual progress in your workouts. So are you able to get stronger? Um, are you able to, so maybe it's adding load, maybe it's getting um, more like a little further into your rep range with the same load, whatever the case is. Are you actually progressing throughout your workouts? Um, that's one thing that we can look at. Your energy throughout the day is another thing that we can look at. Your sleep, your quality, how easy is it for you to fall asleep? Um, your digestion is another thing. So if a lot of these things are off and you're like tired all the time, your sleep's off, your digestion's off, you're not progressing very well, that's a really good indicator that you're probably not recovering very well from your training. Um, and I also like to, whenever I look at like picking a training volume for somebody, I don't like to try to find like, okay, what's like the, I like to try to find, this is going to be a better way to put it, like the minimum threshold for them to progress. I don't want to put you on more volume than you need to progress because that's pointless. I would rather, if you're progressing fine at this volume, let's keep it there until we need to add a little bit more. That's just like another sub point. So those are some things to look at to assess recovery. And those are probably like I would say red flags um, to kind of pull back or look at other recovery factors. Um, other ways to maximize recovery. So we just went over a lot of programming stuff, but getting enough sleep, enough quality sleep, managing your stress, your diet quality, as well as eating enough calories and protein to you know support the training, which we're going to get into a little bit next. So that's training. And then the final aspect of this podcast episode that we're going to dive a little deeper into is nutrition. So remember what we're really getting at in this whole episode is still having fitness goals and having success with reaching those goals while you got all this other stuff going on in your life. And so when we look at, we just talked about training, but remember when we look at the four different kind of variables and components that I was talking about, and there's more than that, but I was just kind of going up some key ones. So we kind of hit on the exercise selection and execution. We hit on the exercise effort. Remember I said, okay, awesome if you have great selection and execution, but what if there's no effort? Um, so we kind of hit on those. We hit on the recovery aspect because you can have great execution and selection and effort, but if you can't recover from it, well, we either need to increase recovery or decrease training volume. And by increase recovery, I mean kind of those other things like, okay, sleep, stress management, diet quality, quantity, things like that. Um, so now we look at the diet aspect. And remember, these are all working together. So just kind of summary to lead into the last point. So nutrition. We want diet quality and we also want enough, and we'll get a little more in detail about the calorie intake, but we want the appropriate calorie amount and the appropriate protein amount. So we want to focus on all of this to, number one, we want to maximize our digestion. So that's really important. So if you are eating a really poor quality diet and your digestion is always a mess, and that could also be from other factors too. It could be stress. It could be that you're overdoing training, whatever, but let's kind of dial this into the nutrition right now. If we're not maximizing digestion, well, that is going to have an impact on how we're able to, you know, utilize the food that we're eating and how that's going to play into like our recovery. So we want to focus on that to maximize digestion, maximize recovery, um, whenever it comes to diet and nutrient status, which is going to 
kind of play a role into the recovery aspect of things. So if you are nutrient deficient because of a low quality diet, or maybe maybe there's just certain things that you're kind of missing out on that you, you know, let's say, for example, um, a vegan who maybe isn't getting um, enough of certain nutrients, whatever the case is, or, you know, it's not just vegans, it could be somebody who's under eating, it could be somebody who maybe they're not under eating calories, but their diet is very void of, of nutrients, whatever the case is, that your nutrient status is going to affect your recovery. Um, so when we look at diet, it's going to have an impact on digestion, our recovery, um, and on the recovery aspect, that's because of not only the nutrient status of our diet and our body, but also the total calorie intake, the total protein intake, things like that. So when you look at your diet, another example with this is like, what training phase are you in? So if you are doing a training phase and it's a pretty glycogen dependent training phase, but you're over here eating like 50 grams of carbs or trying to eat as little carbs as possible, you're not setting yourself up for very good success there because you're not going to be recovering as well as you could be from those training sessions. And so understanding what you're doing in your training and being able to fuel that appropriately, fuel not only the training appropriately, but also the recovery appropriately is going to be really important. Of course, we want enough protein to support that muscle tissue, but then when we look at the rest of the macros, that's kind of where we kind of get into, um, depending on what training phase somebody is in, you know, maybe we want even a little bit more carb, or maybe this particular phase would be okay with a little bit less, but I still wouldn't recommend going like, you know, as little as possible. Um, but remember, those are like very specifics, just in general, if you're just kind of following general programming, you're not necessarily breaking into, okay, strength phase here, metabolic phase here, whatever, just be sure you have enough carbs to fuel the training well. And then as far as calories, we want to be sure that our calorie intake is appropriate for the current goal. So are we aiming to lose body fat and we want to be in a slight deficit? Are you aiming more so to just maintain? And so maybe you kind of have that maintenance range because remember, maintenance is not a fixed number for us. Um, our bodies do maintain within a little kind of range of calories. And this is going to depend on, you know, different factors, including a big one being like somebody's activity levels and things like that. But you do have kind of a range. Or are you trying to be in a slight surplus? Like, are you... Um, aiming for maybe a growing phase and um, side note not everybody like if you're trying to build muscle I wouldn't recommend every single person trying to build muscle go into a slight surplus it really it depends on how much body fat do you currently have and it depends on how advanced you are in your training how long that you've been training effectively training um, but regardless is your calorie intake appropriate for the current goal um, so that's really really important um, and also to when we talk about certain goals like, you know, losing body fat or whatever the case is, activity levels are going to have a role there as well. You know, our cardio activity levels, things like that. But I'm talking about nutrition here, so that's why I kind of focused in on the calorie intake part. So those are some things to look at with nutrition. I mean, pretty simple. Like, are your calories lined up with your current goals? Are you eating enough protein? Do you have in like with your macro ratios, are you fueling your training appropriately? And then is your diet quality maximizing um, or is it hindering your digestion, your nutrient status, your recovery? And then at the end of the day, if you want to see results, <laughs> you got to stick to it. 
as far as the nutrition goes, have that plan. And that's kind of what we've really covered in depth in the first part of this. Um, so in episode one of this, so if you want to listen to that, that's where I got into a lot more about like, okay, meal prepping, planning ahead. But at the end of the day, if you are hitting your training, but then you keep, you know, falling off on your nutrition side of things, well then, yeah, you're not going to see the progress that you want. So that's going to be a huge piece of it. Um, but if you are somebody who struggles with knowing like, okay, what foods to take on the go, what foods to take to work, like what are some good high protein meals that I'm actually going to enjoy? I did make a little free guide for you guys just because this is a question and a struggle that I see so see and get so often. And so this guide has um, 10 breakfast recipes, 10 lunch recipes. They're all on the go friendly and they're all at least 30 grams of protein. So 30 grams of protein or more on the go friendly. They have the calories and macros listed for every single one of them. So if you guys want that download, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's free. Um, so you can click that and snag that. I think it would be super helpful. But that is today's episode. So we talked about the phase planning, the training, and then kind of ended off with the nutrition because taking it all the way back to the beginning, you cannot ignore one of the components and expect to get the progress that you want. But if you understand, okay, I need to focus on these things within my training, these things within my nutrition, and then put that into context of what phase am I in, that's going to help you so much with like staying organized and just being able to have a clear like vision of what you need to be focusing on. Because whenever things get crazy in life, if you don't, you're just going to keep in the same cycle and like keep not seeing progress. So um, I will have a, a few things linked for you guys in the show notes. So I'll have that free recipe guide that I mentioned. I will have um, the part one of this topic linked. And then I will also have an application for my one-on-one -on -one coaching if that is of interest to you and you just listen to this and you're like, that is all great, but I would rather somebody just set it all up for me and have the accountability piece and the more customization, then that will be available for you. If you would like to be a one-on-one -on -one client of mine, um, we will just hop on a free consult call. But I do hope this episode was super helpful for you. If any of this overwhelmed you at all, what I would encourage you to do is just like, understand that regardless of any context that I give and it's like okay well but also if this then this just understand start with the general principles that I gave and that is going to be such a good starting place and then you can kind of dial and adjust from there based on you because any general principle needs to then be like personalized to you um but that's going to be a good starting place. So start with the foundations that I kind of just laid out. Assess the things that I talked about. Are you planning your phases ahead? Are you looking at those different training variables? Are you actually paying attention to what you need to be within your nutrition? Start there. That's going to go a really long way. But as always, I appreciate you guys for listening and supporting the podcast or any other content of mine that you do support. And I really hope this was valuable and I will talk to you guys in the next one.